Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, another edition of CeraVe Conversations presented to you by IHS Market. My name is Atul Arya. I'm Chief Energy Strategist at uh, IHS Market. And, and joining me today uh, are uh, Dr. Alan Nelson, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Adnoc, and Dr. Nasir Darman, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Petronas, two of the world's largest companies. The conversation today is going to focus on a very timely and important topic, more energy, fewer emissions, the dual challenge. So we all know uh, that uh, the world is going to continue to need uh, more energy as we as uh, economic development happens. I mean, this year, we have seen a decline in energy demand mainly because of pandemic uh, with a huge economic cost, but the trend is already reversing. So we will need more energy, but with more energy uh, comes more emissions. So how do we provide the world uh, more energy while reducing the emissions. And of course, there are many nuances and many important issues related to this. You know, we have had much focus on power sector with the increasing, uh, increasing the growth of renewables, solar PV and wind in particular, but there are many other sectors where we have to reduce emissions. So this conversation will we'll start by talking about the impact of the pandemic. We'll walk through uh, what each of the companies are doing and then we will wrap up by looking at some of the longer term um, opportunities and challenges. So with that, uh, welcome uh, to both of you. Welcome, Alan, and welcome, Nasir. It's great to have you at CeraVe Conversations. Thank you, Atul, thank you. So uh, let's start with the, the pandemic and how have you managed, uh, you know, over what now seems like forever, um, but seven months of the pandemic. So, so uh, Alan, maybe start with you. How has Adnoc managed your operations in, in the middle of this pandemic? I, I would start by saying certainly COVID has affected industries across the entire world, not only in oil and gas. And uh, the, you know, the long-term effects on our industry and other industries and more broadly across society are still evolving. But over the last nine months, if you look back across the oil and gas industry, we have certainly seen volatile and lower prices uh, we've seen depressed demand for crude and for refined products, and in particular, transportation fuels. And COVID has certainly affected operations and projects across our sites and, and around the world as well. However, at Adnoc, through very focused and dedicated business continuity efforts, we've been able to keep our people safe, which is our number one priority. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been able to keep our operations and our assets intact. And we are maintaining our 2030 smart growth strategy including our commitment to long-term innovation and sustainability. During uh, the pandemic and the resulting market volatility, we have initiated several changes, some of which are temporary and some of which will be more permanent. So for example, our ability to switch and to work from home and still be operational with access to the necessary tools, the necessary systems, as well as all of our operational data. We also very quickly developed a COVID tracking and reporting system combined with artificial intelligence and an AI pandemic forecasting model. And this very quickly became the backbone tool for our daily business continuity efforts and for planning and testing of new initiatives. We're also looking at accelerating innovation projects and initiatives when it comes to such things as smart worker concepts or the use of drones and robots AI and blockchain applications, remote assistance tools, amongst other uh, platforms and other capabilities. I think it's safe to say that the entire oil and gas industry, as well as other industries, 
have probably implemented many of these changes and initiatives themselves. But I think I would also add that the one truth about COVID is that if you did not believe in the digital transformation before, you most certainly do now. That's right. So, so maybe I ask this uh, same question to Dr. Nasir. You know, you have very large operations, uh, Petronas does. So how, how has COVID impacted you and what have you done to respond? Uh, thank you at all for the, for the questions. Uh, you know, Petronas is just like at NOC, uh, we, we, we have been hit with this COVID-19 and low oil price uh, environment very badly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you can see a lot of projects being KIV, uh, a lot of projects that is, uh, that passed economic hurdle before, uh, but not this time. So it's a lot of projects uh, that basically being, being shelved uh, because of the situation. Uh, but one thing that I want to highlight is that this COVID or low oppressed situation also accelerate our digital era. Yeah, uh, just like at Knox, uh, robotics become more important now in our, our, our operations. Uh, drone delivery, drone inspection, uh, everything about drones uh, uh, is, is basically uh, very, very uh, important uh, for, for Petronas. And we are, we are moving uh, away from manned facilities, uh, manned operation, into unmanned, yeah, and and everything need to be centralized in a safer place. Uh, for example, in KLCC, our our twin towers, yeah. So uh, so that 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 is basically uh, goes uh, slowing down of business as usual activities, but open up a lot of business unusual activities at least to Petronas, yeah, robotics, uh, automation, artificial intelligence. Uh, that's something to, to mention a few. Uh, another thing that Petronas do is that being a national company of the country, uh, of Malaysia, we also play our part in contributing uh, a lot of uh, corporate uh, responsibility to the, to the nation. For example, we are donating about uh, 20 million ringgit, which is about $5 million uh, to the hospital uh, to buy ventilators, uh, breathing aspirators, uh, beds and 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 so on. We also provide uh, food aids to to the to the three thousand nine hundred families. Uh, that's basically uh, to make sure that uh, the burden of the people of Malaysia being being softened a little bit. Uh, another thing, I'm, I'm I'm coming from a technology people, so uh, people in technology also uh, producing superb job during during this uh, era. They stand up and basically produce, for example, in collaboration with our partner, Mercedes, uh, Formula One Mercedes, we basically uh, print uh, CPAP, a continuous pressure airflow uh, equipment for breathing uh, facilities, yeah? So we, we work together with Mercedes and also uh, uh, College, uh, U U University London Hospital uh, to, to bring that technology and, and to Malaysia as soon as possible. Uh, we also provide our COVID uh, tracking facilities. Uh, it's, a, it's a very intelligent uh, tracking where uh, all of the projects right now in Malaysia are using it. You know, In the case that we have any suspect, we know who the contact uh, of that guy, and we can quickly isolate within less than five minutes uh, whoever 
being in contact with that guy for the last two weeks or for the last month, in fact, it's, it's up for us to decide. So, so, so that is what I'm, I'm, I'm telling. Uh, there are something that we are slowing down, but there are something that we are accelerating to make sure business continue as usual. Yeah, so you're both sort of giving great examples of how technology is being used, not just in your own operations, but but more broadly. So, so Alan, coming back to you, uh, you know, uh, you kind of alluded to it, but can you say a little bit more about the, you know, the 2030 strategy and, and is there any change in that because of COVID going faster, going slower, or any sort of big changes? You know, as Nasser mentioned, I think our response and the effects of COVID are, are very similar. You know, COVID mm -hmm. has had wide ranging effects resulting in accelerating some programs and perhaps slowing down others in different areas. And if I start just looking broadly at the UAE as a country, there are many new projects being developed, both with the nuclear power station just coming online, yeah. as well as plans to significantly expand the development of solar power plants. So here are some examples of projects that have actually been accelerated as a result of COVID. And for ADNOC, uh, this year we launched a new sustainability strategy for 2030 with forward-looking targets uh, across a broad spectrum of sustainability issues, such as carbon dioxide and methane emissions, uh, health and safety and water and wastewater management, uh, social contribution, gender ba balance, and, and other ambitious targets. And these all remain intact as, as part of our broader, longer-term business strategy, as well as our energy strategy. And together today, in, in cooperation with UAE authorities, we're also looking into fuels of the future, uh, fuels such as hydrogen and, and synthetic fuels. And in this respect, we're in discussions with several potential external partners and are drawing up plans and strategies to define the role that these could have for both not only ADNOC, but for the UAE as well. So, but I think it's important to also mention that these are projects that have been under evaluation prior to COVID, but the pandemic situation has certainly changed some of our priorities in response to the broader market changes and how we see say energy demand and fuel demands and opportunities in the external markets moving forward. So, so Alan, just to pick on that, you know, the oil demand, as we know, was completely cratered at the beginning of the pandemic is built up a bit, but still uh, still struggling. So how does that, you know, impact uh, Adnox thinking? Yeah, it's, it's a really excellent question. And there really, there is no question that we're in an energy transition, as you point out, and all oil and gas companies need to think strategically today about how to manage their future portfolios and their strategies. I wish I had a crystal ball to predict what's going to happen in the markets or when and where peak oil is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but suffice to say, you know, if you look across the opinions in the market, they do very greatly. For me though, I, I think this concept around peak oil is somewhat misleading at the very least. It, Yes. If you look closer at most uh, of the robust future projections, projections, you'll find that this concept of peak actually looks more like a gradual increasing plateau yeah. and then followed by a slow decline over you know, many decades at some point into the future. So we believe there will continue to be a growing oil and gas market for many more years. Mm -hmm. And we at Adnoc will have a role to play in this market, but importantly, it doesn't mean business as usual, right? So to stay competitive and be resilient in the current and future oil markets, we have to also be leading on cost and capital efficiency and equally be leading on carbon efficiency. 
And we perform well on all these metrics today and we'll continue to reinforce our, our focus and progress across these areas as they become more and more crucial to stay competitive, no matter how and when and where the world does reach peak oil. I'll come back to the carbon efficiency, very important point, Alan. But, but Nasir, coming back to you, the same question in terms of your strategy and your thinking uh, you know, on oil and gas and where, where do you see the future? Have you changed things? Oh, yes. Uh, I think one of the things that the industry overall and, 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 and Petronas in particular is that uh, energy transition is, 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 is coming. And, and it is coming very, very fast, uh, not like before. And because of that, uh, just a week ago, our new president, uh, Tengku Taufik, basically announced that Petronas have uh, ambitions to become net zero carbon company by 2050. Yeah, that is basically uh, the first oil and gas company in Southeast Asia, in fact, in Asia, to announce that we want to be net zero carbon. And uh, to support and to rally the whole organization uh, with that objective, uh, we even change our mission and vision statement. Yeah, uh, we basically change our our mission and vision statement to a statement of purpose. And a statement of purpose of Petronas is basically a progressive energy and solution partners enriching life for a sustainable future. So the word sustainable is there, even in our statement of purpose. What does it mean is that we need to make sure that Petronas produce a lot more energy in a very efficient manner, in more clean and more demand specific and meeting all the requirements by the demand. Yeah, uh, we we used have uh, we, we used to have a, a say that uh, we basically sell whatever we can produce, but now we change it a little bit that we only produce that whatever we can sell. So uh, what does it mean is that all the product that we need to do, we need to be a lot more uh, uh, demand centric rather than commodity. We are changing it to specialty. Uh, 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 and let's come back to the issue of carbon efficiency, right? So what, can you tell us, um, you know, some of the things you are doing in, in your operations to reduce your emissions? There are a lot of emissions happening as we produce oil and gas, correct? Sure. So, you know, obviously our, our carbon uh, and CO2 strategy is part of our broader 2030 sustainability strategy. And we announced mm -hmm. uh, and published that strategy earlier this year, in January of this year. And this defines our strategy and targets towards all of our emissions, not just CO2. Um, but importantly, uh, it, with regards to methane emissions. And today we're already leading the industry in reducing methane emissions. And uh, very proudly, this has been part of our business strategy and our corporate strategy since ADNOC was founded many decades ago. But with regards to CO2, we announced targets to de decrease our CO2 intensity by 25% out to 2030. And today we have many projects ongoing to improve our operating efficiency and overall reduce our CO2 emissions. One of those main areas for us that we also uh, highlighted earlier this year is carbon capture and uh, utilization and storage. Today, we have the capacity to capture and utilize about 800,000 tons of CO2 per year. We use that principally for enhanced oil recovery. Mm -hmm. And we announced uh, our expansion efforts uh, to our CCUS initiatives through identified projects that we have in place today. 
to increase this capacity over the course of time to 5 million tons per year. We're also, in, and importantly, running several energy efficiency programs and implementing new technologies to both detect and avoid emissions. Um, much like Nasser had mentioned, technologies like drones and autonomous systems. And last year, with the help of many of these new technologies, we improved our energy efficiency by 10% across all of our operating companies. And as I often say, the easiest CO2 molecule to abate is the one that you don't produce. So energy efficiency for us is really at the core of our strategy. Uh, but again, it doesn't stop there for us. You know, we're looking beyond our physical operations to reduce CO2. And for example, we also announced several mangrove tree planting initiatives, both from a biodiversity point of view, but also, and importantly, from a carbon sequestration point of view as well. Yes. So, so uh, now, sir, you know, uh, similarly in Petronas operations, uh, sort of what we call scope one and two emissions, what are some of the things you're doing operationally, not just CO2 as, as Alan said, CO2, methane, uh, all the other, um, you, know, in, you know, environmental uh, challenges you have. So how are we tackling that? Oh, I'm quite happy to hear the reply from Alan. Maybe the great minds thinking the same. Think the same, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of things. And for Petronas, uh, in order for us to achieve our mission, uh, our statement of purpose to become sustainable for, for the future, we basically embark a lot of things. One of them are basically, to a certain extent, we are running away from fossil fuel to a certain extent. Uh, we, we just established a new business under Petronas and we put uh, all the new energy un under that team. Uh, we are focusing on uh, renewable energy, uh, solar in particular. And uh, I'm in the, in, the, in the research team are uh, basically putting up uh, one of the biggest pilots for wind turbine. Malaysia have a bit issues because we are very close to the equator, the, the, the wind speed uh, for, for, for our region is very, very mild compared to North Sea and, and Europe. So we have to re-engineer and redesign the whole wind turbine for our situations. So we, we, we are putting uh, solar, we are putting wind turbine, and uh, by next month, uh, Petronas is basically putting our first uh, green hydrogen uh, uh, pilot plant in our research center uh, south of KL. Uh, we are basically trying to demonstrate that we can produce green hydrogen with a target cost that we want. Yeah? And to see how the whole ecosystem of hydrogen can be supported. So like I said, uh, we, we, are, we are going through a very interesting era where we believe oil and gas will still continue uh, moving forward until 2050, 2040. Uh, but at the same time, the percentage of greener, more efficient, uh, clean uh, source of fuel is coming. So uh, we like it or we don't like it. We have to ride the storm. Uh, and, and then this is, this, is, this is the question of survival. And uh, because of that, Petronas changed our DNA uh, a little bit to adapt to this uh, situation. 
So hydrogen is very important in, 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 in Petronas. Uh, we have a lot of uh, CCUS, just like uh, Adnoc. Uh, we are putting up programs and, and because of our portfolio, a lot of offshore. So having a CCUS offshore is a big challenge, especially in terms of cost. And we have a full research program to basically optimize on how are we going to handle that cost. Yeah. And because of that, the U become very, very important. CCUS, the U, the utilization uh, become very important. And our, our, our concept is that uh, from all the contaminant, be it uh, CO2, uh, H2S, mercury, nitrogen, you just name it, Petronas portfolio heavy. So we have, we have to handle all of, all of this contaminant. Uh, and and we are, we're, we're having a philosophy that we need to utilize this contaminant to produce something usable. And that basically self-finance to certain extent the whole project. Yeah. Because if we, if, we, if we just throw money and hoping that uh, things are green and not balancing with economic, it will, it will not make you sustainable going to the future. So we need to make sure that we utilize our contaminant so that we can produce something good that we can sell and utilize. So let's talk about uh, technologies a little bit since we are, we are all technologists in this conversation. So um, Alan, you have already mentioned CCUS and also you mentioned hydrogen. You know, one of the things um, I'm sure our audience would like to hear is how do you see the future cost uh, for these? Because they are both currently not economic, even the CCUS. Uh, particularly at low oil prices, it becomes even more challenging, right? So, where is the, what is your kind of vision for longer term cost reduction for for both of them? Sure. So, you know, on the, on the hydrogen front, we've started to look into hydrogen uh, as well as other potential fuels of the future, such as ammonia. Mm -hmm. um, but suffice to say, you know, for the time being, our focus is on blue hydrogen and or blue ammonia, right? Depending on what uh, what the market needs or what the particular carrier is. And, and of course, as I, you know, as I mentioned, this really builds on our industry leadership position in CCUS. So for us, expanding this into hydrogen production would be a natural fit for Adnoc. We believe that blue hydrogen can be cost competitive today. So this isn't a future opportunity uh, we, you know, or, or a technology where we need significant cost down to be competitive. Blue hydrogen, blue ammonia can be cost competitive in the marketplace today and will certainly be significantly cheaper than green hydrogen, in my opinion, at least for the next 10, 15 years, and maybe even beyond that. So, so Alan, are you doing any project on that? Can you say more about the, the blue hydrogen, blue ammonia? I mean, do you have something on the drawing board? Yeah, so we, we've, meant, uh, we've got several uh, technology projects in this area. And uh, as I mentioned before, we're working with several uh, external partners. And importantly, we're in close uh, collaboration with the UAE authorities on uh, blue hydrogen, blue ammonia, uh, future fuels as well. And this is, this is a really key point. When we start looking at all of these future fuels and these different future technologies, and you use hydrogen as the example, development towards a hydrogen economy is not something any one company or any one government or any one industry can solve on its own. There are multiple challenges when it comes to the next generation fuels. And those challenges start with production, then you've got the storage, distribution, transmission, 
in certain instances, regasification. So for example, in the case of liquefied hydrogen, for example. And then of course, we have the other challenge, which is the future markets. So hydrogen today is produced at scale. And the, the challenge though, is that that hydrogen is principally used uh, captively. So it's used where it's produced for such things yeah. as ammonia or methanol or for hydro treating and hydro conversion. The non say captive use, the, the broader energy uh, use markets for hydrogen are nascent today. And we really need to see those markets be stimulated. We need those markets to grow so that we can start to create that market pull, which can then make all of these investments, whether they're technology investments or capital investments to scale up. We need the scale economics to work out so that all of those upfront investments make sense. So, so uh, you're you're doing a lot of collaboration, looking at partners to to do that. It's a really good point about captive use of hydrogen currently. You know, mostly refining and petrochemical. And Nasir, you are of course a very large uh, you know downstream company. So, how do oh, you yeah. think about hydrogen besides the captive use? Are you as bullish as Alan on uh, blue hydrogen? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, in in Petronas, Pe Petronas is actually one of the biggest hydrogen producer even now. Oh. Uh, but, but it's a gray hydrogen, yeah? It's a, it's a, it's a gray hydrogen. And, and we use a lot of hydrogen for our downstream, uh, downstream plan uh, uh, to produce a product that we can sell at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so, so producing hydrogen uh, from hydrocarbon is something that we know and we are doing it a lot. So what we are doing, just like, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite uh, I'm agreeable to what Alan said that we are moving from gray to blue now. So uh, we 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 already have a technology that make uh, direct conversion from uh, CO2 uh, to ethanol, for example, using hydrogen that we produce uh, uh, blue blue hydrogen, and we also have our CCUS to make sure we are converting uh, our our gray hydrogen to blue hydrogen. But uh, that basically goes to the business uh, and the business people are doing it and they are basically trying to find a market, capturing the market for it. Uh, I, coming from a technology people, we need to one step further and that is what I'm telling you. Uh, green hydrogen is, is, is one of the things that we have put a lot of emphasis uh, in order for us to move uh, to 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 uh, to a bigger frontier or further into into the subject, but one thing that I want to highlight over here is that uh, Southeast Asia is very well known for a lot of CO two in in our reservoir. Uh, it comes naturally uh, with a lot. You know, in some of the some of our gas field, uh, we have about sixty to eighty percent of CO two. So I call it a CO2 reservoir rather than, rather than hydrocarbon gas reservoir uh, with some contaminant of methane inside it <laughs> uh, to, to put things into perspective. Yeah? So uh, with hydrogen and with methane, uh, with CO2, for example, we can do a lot of magic. The, the, the chemistry is, is, is there, you know, as long as we can... Uh, we can develop hydrogen at very competitive cost. Mm -hmm. We have CO2, a lot of CO2 in our portfolio. 
we can do wonders. Limitless image is just limit by by our imagination on what we can do. Yeah? Uh, one of the things uh, we are basically thinking to produce high purity methanol. Uh, uh, people have been producing methanol, but uh, that is commodity methanol. So we need to go until 99.9999% methanol. And the market for that is about 20 times more expensive compared to commodity methanol. Yeah, but the volume is not much. It's basically being used uh, in, in, in medical sector, mm -hmm. in pharmaceutical sector. Uh, although the, the, the volume is not much, but the margin is very big. So like I said, uh, Petronas is moving away from commodity-based uh, portfolio to a specialty-based portfolio. And this is one of the examples where hydrogen, CO2, come into picture and basically helps rather than become an enemy, become a friend uh, of Petronas to make sure that we uh, can celebrate our 100 years anniversary. Uh, when is that going to be? Another 43, uh, 53 years from now. So you're planning uh, ahead of time here, right? Long oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, to, to make sure that, that, that we be able to celebrate that. Yeah, we need so, to so stay relevant I, I, yeah. We have talked a bit about both carbon capture and hydrogen, but Alan, other technologies which you think are going to play in an important role in, in the future? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the way that we see it, uh, and certainly the way that I see it, is it's going to take a broad portfolio of technologies uh, in order to help support and enable the broader energy transition. Uh, you know, the carbon capture, utilization, storage, uh, opportunity is significant, mm -hmm. um, you know, and and not only from a carbon capture standpoint, but you know certainly in in the case of Adnoc, when we capture CO two and we use that for EOR, then that replaces sales gas, and reducing yeah. sales gas usage in this way helps us achieve our target in the UAE of gas self sufficiency. So it really is a win win type of value proposition. We can look at other technologies and, and today there's a lot of discussion, for example, around direct air capture right. and that potential. And I guess, again, my, my view on this is I believe that the current technologies around direct air capture will not be cost competitive for some time. And for us, it's not something that we're focusing on. And I think it, there's an inherent challenge when you look at technologies like direct air capture and it's, it's an inherent chemical engineering uh, challenge in that you have very, very low concentrations of CO2 in air. And anytime you have low concentrations of, of anything, whether it's CO2 or, or any other molecule or any other um, uh, product or material that you're trying to react, the economics get very, very difficult. So you know, anytime that we can develop technologies, whether it's new and, and more efficient, say CO2 scrubbing uh, medium, uh, or different extraction technologies, different column designs, et cetera. And we can put those where the point source CO2 is and extract, say, a higher concentration. Those will be, by default, mm -hmm. the most cost-effective technologies. So for us, that's, that tends to be where we focus a lot of our time and attention, in addition to, as I mentioned before, the energy efficiency opportunity. Yes. Yeah. I mean, by definition, the... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, because uh, just wrapping up, because, you know, again, any energy that we can save is CO2 that's saved. So 
and and of course that uh, that helps us reduce our cost position as well. So again, it's a, it's a win-win proposition all the way around. Yeah, your your point on direct air capture is very interesting because by that by by definition, you know, CO two concentration is around four hundred parts per million in atmosphere, which is very low concentration to, to capture. So Nasir, you know, what, what about since you have a more of a renewables portfolio as well? Uh, are you looking into sort of renewable? You mentioned the. Uh, wind uh, technologies for very low speed wind, but what about things like storage? Are you looking at any of those technologies in your portfolio? You're talking about sequestration, CO2 sequestration or? No, 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 I'm talking about just regular storage, you know, battery storage and uh, other storage. Oh, okay, storage, energy storage. Yeah, energy storage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, in Petronas energy storage is, we believe that the uh, market and the technology is quite, saturated mm -hmm. so instead of uh, trying to be the world leader in, in storage uh, uh, we are not trying to do that but we are trying to be a lot more as uh, smart followers yeah but there are there are few things that we believe that we can chip in and very good at for example the the the, the fluid to manage the thermal uh, issues in the battery storage yeah uh, like you might be aware, yesterday Petronas Mercedes just win our seven conservative uh, world champion in, in Formula One. Mm -hmm. And uh, to tell you the truth that everything about fluid in that car basically coming from Petronas. So we have a lot of expertise, we have a lot of experience in fluid technology solution that we can provide. So we are moving away, uh, not moving away, we are adding up our portfolio to be uh, one of the fluid experts in energy storage. So that is one. Uh, we, we're not trying to be good at everything, but anything that we believe uh, we, we have an upper hands and that is where we try to leverage on our strength. So uh, fluid technology solution are providing a lot of uh, chemistry uh, in handling the thermal issues of the, of the batteries and, and storage. But one thing I want to highlight over here is that being in the tropical countries, uh, bio agenda is also big in our portfolio. Yeah, uh, we have a programs that we get uh, uh, crude algae oil uh, instead of from hydrocarbon sources uh, in offshore or onshore, we get it from uh, algae. All right, and our research are basically telling that it, it makes some economic sense. And we are basically converting the algae for uh, sustainable aviation fuel. As you might be aware, uh, <coughs> the policy will be coming at least to Malaysia that all aviation fuel need to be 10% bio, at least. So we are making a, a, a technology on how to achieve that. So bio agenda is quite big in Petronas. We also have a programs that basically uh, take all the empty fruit bunch of our palm oil and convert that to a specialty chemical that can produce high quality plastics. And that plastic is biodegradable, uh, can uh, catch a lot of premium. So that's, that's, that, that is a point that I want to highlight that uh, Bio agenda is quite big in Petronas as well. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. <laughs> 
many companies, as you know, are working on this bio agenda. So we are, we are uh, almost out of time. And so I do want to ask uh, both of you uh, the same question really, which is, uh, you know, 2030, how different do you think, which is about 10 years, nine years from now, uh, how different do you think your companies will be uh, in, uh, you know, from what they are today? So Alan, maybe start with you. Yeah. Um, so as CTO, my mandate is to develop the technologies for the future. Um, and we have many exciting projects and opportunities ahead of us. And I just uh, mentioned a couple here today. Um, but looking out to 2030, I believe our main business will still be oil and gas. Mm -hmm. But that being said, we'll be much more cost, uh, carbon, as well as energy efficient in the 2030 timeline. Um, furthermore, I think Adnoc will continue to be one of the digital champions of the industry. Uh, we do that today through our Panorama Digital Command Center and uh, our group-wide rollout of AI tools and digital twins, big data modeling and scenario analysis and planning tools and blockchain and predictive maintenance and machine learning, all of these tools that really drive that cost and the performance efficiencies. But on the, on the R&D side, we're also pioneering the development of new materials such as our collaboration and, and program uh, around uh, and developing non-metallic pipelines and, and more broadly speaking, non-metallic materials. I think the way we see it is through technology, we can future-proof ADNOC, uh, maximize our efficiency, maximize our performance, and improve and optimize the way we work. And, and importantly, uh, augment each employee's ability to add value uh, because without the right people, we can put the best strategy in place, but we need the greatest, the brightest minds to come in and help us actually deliver all of these technologies and to scale all of these technologies and help enable uh, the growth in the oil and gas market as well as the energy transition. And you know, equally important, if not more important, making sure that our operations are as safe as they possibly can be. So, so you think that vision will also help you attract talent, right? That's one of the key things. Key focus for Adnoc has been correct. So, so uh, Nasir, same question for you. In a way, now you mentioned the net zero ambition by 2050. So, how how far do you think uh, Petronas will be by 2030? On, on uh, and how different? To, yeah, just to answer your questions on how different Petronas in 2030, 10 years from now, uh, I would say simple answer is that very different. Uh, we are we are moving away from very labor intensive uh, company to robotic and automations, uh, digitally uh, enabled company where we make decision based on data uh, rather than perceptions. Uh, we, we make decision more accurate, faster, uh, and uh, you know, everything is digitally uh, enabled uh, in that sense. So that is one. Second is that, uh, Petronas portfolio will change a little bit. Uh, yes, oil and gas will still be our our, our main uh, uh, product, but we are we are moving more and more into non-conventional, not as the non-conventional uh, oil or, or gas, but non-conventional for oil and gas company. Yeah, That's we are right. moving to hydrogen. We are moving into specialty chemical. We are moving into special specialty products. Uh, bio-based product, bio-agenda uh, in that case. So, uh, so, so in terms of portfolio, will be a bit more different. 
than what we are having right now. Another thing is that uh, I would say Petronas will become uh, more efficient and lean uh, in terms of uh, people, in terms of, but, but what, you know, last time we used to have uh, maybe a team of people that can do reservoir management and then productions and then refinery and then sales. Yeah, but uh, moving into 2030, 10 years from now, I can see maybe that number being cut by 60 to 70%. Yeah, uh, everything being done by uh, a lot more superior people. We still need people, but not that many. Uh, the, the, the level of knowledge that we require inside the company is a lot more. So, so uh, I can expect a CTO 10 years from now that replace me will be a lot smarter than myself. <laughs> a, lot, uh, a, a, a lot more efficient compared to myself. Uh, that is how I see Petronas. You know? There will be a lot and a lot more people that have a lot of brain ideas, innovation coming to the company because the nature of works uh, are moving to that direction. That is how I see Petronas in 2030. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I just want to uh, wrap by saying that you know, technology remains a, a, the lever to change the world. And it's very exciting to hear from two of the technology leaders in two great companies uh, about the, what they're doing and your vision.